it's only two years ago. And I was having an argument with God. And I was saying, Lord, why is it that the biggest miracles in the Bible now listen to me for a moment. Are you all listening? Because I was arguing with God. I said, why? Why? Are the biggest miracles in the Bible in the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. People are not supposed to ask these questions. <laughs> I asked the question. And I was on my prayer mountain, 3,000 meters up there. And I spent a lot of time. Why? Why? And God gave me the answer. He said, you have the key. Because if you read your New Testament, anybody read the New Testament? What about the rest of you? Take it home with you and read it. Because I can tell you that from the New Testament, God shows us how we can see bigger miracles today than anything in the Old Testament. And I'm talking about the crossing of the Red Sea. I'm talking about Noah, David, Elijah, Moses. We can see bigger miracles. But the thing is, what kind of a God do you know? You see, I want to know all the power of God. I want to know who God is. But then came the second challenge in my life. Firstly, he said to me, how much Holy Spirit do you want? And when I found out, I had to empty everything out of my life. So that there was more room for the Holy Spirit. And from the moment I received the Holy Spirit, I expected a change in my life. Within 24 hours, I expected to see the difference. And I want to challenge you. If you have received the Holy Spirit, where's the change? Where's the change? What happened? Did you receive the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had? Did you receive a Pentecost? Where's the change? 
I immediately saw the change. Something happened. But then you have to read the Old Testament. And you've got to read Leviticus 6. Write that down. Come on. You men, write it on the back of your hand. Leviticus chapter 6. I'm not telling you which verse. God gave a command. God gave a command to the priests. He said, when you prepare the altar, and you light the fire under the altar. Now this is the bit that Christians don't like. Okay? Love. This is the bit that Christians don't like. Because God said, when the fire is alight, that fire must never, ever, never go out. That fire must never go out. In fact, the fire of God is stronger powerful in me today than it was yesterday. Every day, that fire has got to burn more. Every day, my foot on that pedal the turbo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll tell you what I like to do with my car. I like to overtake all the other cars. Uh-huh. 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 Yes, guys. Age 91. I'm never at the back. Okay. My family know <laughs> when I get in that car, I'm not at the back. I'm going to be at the front. Yes. That's why that turbo comes in. Aha. Spiritually. Spiritually. You should be the same. You should be the same. Why are you at the back? Come on, young people. The boys in my school said because I was a hellfire preacher, I would be a religious fanatic and I'd have a miserable life and they were going to have all the adventure. I can tell you, young people, I've had a more adventurous life than any other boy in my school. Yes. Yes. 
and I'm still doing it. I like to be the first. And because I wasn't satisfied, when age 15 I received the Holy Spirit, I wasn't satisfied. And when I heard that there was to be a world Pentecostal conference in Jerusalem, this was in 1961. I was 29 years old. And I found out that believers were going to be in Jerusalem in the actual upper room on the day of Pentecost. And I determined to be there. But I had no money. I was a poor evangelist, married with two children, no money, I couldn't buy the ticket. But I was determined if the fire of God was going to come down, I wanted to be where the fire was. I wanted to be in the fire. So what did I have to do? I did what nobody else could do. I set out to drive by car all the way from London, London to Jerusalem 10,000 kilometers Hallelujah Hallelujah Prison the best place in my life I learned how to pray I was there because I was smuggling Bibles No I wasn't doing what you think. I took two tons of Bibles. Every time. Bibles. Every time. And I could go eight or ten times a year. And I can remember the problems we had going through I had an order to deliver two tons of Bibles to Romania we delivered to order whichever language they wanted we were the delivery system so we came to the border at Romania. They searched. I had, I had big tour buses. And I converted the buses to, to smuggle the Bibles. So I came to the border. They spent hours searching my bus, looking for Bibles. No, of course they didn't find them. God blinded their eyes. What did I do? I went to Bucharest. 
I delivered the Bibles. Then I went to the government. I said, what do you think you are doing? I want to tourists into Romania. And you stopped my buses for hours in the blazing heat of the sun. I said, Stop it. Or else not bring tourists. They apologized. We're so sorry. We'll not stop your buses anymore. So from that day, I could take Bibles freely into Romania. They would stop us at the border. I would step off the bus. They would talk to the passengers. They didn't know we'd got Bibles. The passengers didn't know. Bless their hearts. They were just ordinary Christians. Uh-huh. They were just ordinary Christians. So the border guards would say, do you have any guns? The Christians said no. Do you have any drugs? The Christians said no. Do you have any Bibles? No. They didn't know that we had two tongues. But I wasn't in the bus. They didn't ask me. I wasn't in the bus. They didn't ask me. So we could take the Bibles in quite freely. But you see, that's what you do with the Holy Spirit. You, you Christians have got to sound, wake up and live. Come on. Wake up and live. Really oh, hallelujah. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm just starting my new life here. Yeah, I'm and I'm working with you guys. Now then, I told you. I told you. What the God said to the priests. Don't let the fire go out. Aha. Now then, old people. Go to sleep. Young people. I'll tell you how to keep the fire burning. Who wants to know? Who wants to know how to keep the fire What about the rest of you? Yeah. Love. How do you keep the fire burning? You want to know. Right, I'm only talking to these I'll tell you. You don't use wood. You don't use coal. What keeps the fire burning? Sacrifice. Did you hear me? Sacrifice. 
sacrifice. Zohar. Do you understand now? Why there's not many people who keep the fire they're not prepared to pay the price. They're not prepared to pay the price. You understand? For me, it's cost a great deal. You don't become a Christian for an easy life. This is why right at the beginning, I said, when you come in here, don't ask what is God going to do for me? I want you to ask what can I do for God? That's the difference. Do you understand? Oh, yes. I've had cancer twice. And the first time I had cancer, I was, in, I was 32 years old. Cancer in my throat. Now, the problem was, this was a church. I was pastor. And this was a church that was founded on miracles. And the newspaper had the report cancers healed, cripples walk, blind can see. Because literally in that one crusade, God opened blind people's eyes. Took the cripples out of the wheelchair. I was the pastor. I was the evangelist. And when I had cancer, the whole church turned against me. The whole church. And they said, it's easy for him when he prays with other people. He doesn't know what it's like. Now he's got cancer that will kill him. He will be the first to go to the doctor. I couldn't go. Oh yes, I went for them to confirm that I had cancer. They offered me treatment. I said, no, I can't. I can't have treatment. Because this, in front of my church, has to be a witness of what I preach. And for three months I prayed. At the end of three months, I became a bit impatient. And I went back to the doctors. I said, I'm a Christian. I believe in prayer. And I believe that God has healed me. And the doctors examined me. What did they say? There is no God. 
The cancer now has become so big unless you have an immediate operation, you die. That was on Friday. They said on Monday, we make the operation and we'll try to save your life. What could I do? I fasted. I pray. Three months. And now the cancer was worse. So for the first day, the Saturday, I prayed. Oh God, I don't want to die. I'm 32 years old. Heal me. Heal me. What happened? Nothing. It came to the Sunday. And I prayed. But I prayed the most dangerous prayer of my life. This is what I said. I said, oh God, if you want me to stay in England, don't heal me. And I'll go to the doctors tomorrow and I'll tell them that you couldn't heal me. If you want me to leave my church and work in the Soviet Union full time, I need a miracle. Take your pick. I said, Lord, take the choice. That was the most dangerous prayer of my life. But because I'm a I'm a citizen of the kingdom. I sent to the Lord that Sunday. Tell me the answer. And I believe some wonderful story. I'll tell you the whole story next time I come. So you better ask me back. <laughs> But the Lord opened up the Bible and showed me a promise that I would be healed. So I said, Lord, how do I convince the doctors? Because they think there's no God. They want to operate on this so-called Christian so I said, what do I do? And to my spirit came the story of Naaman the leper. He had to wash in the river Jordan six times and he was leprous. The seventh time he was healed. And the Lord said, tell them to look seven times. And I said, no, Lord. They won't look seven. So I said, Lord, not seven, six. Absolute silence. Five. Four. Three. 
Yes. Ayo. Three times. Yede kankam. The next morning I went to the doctors. Hajota ravot is gana sibishki. Oh, I've never seen doctors so excited. Yes, efektsaita sadat kan udakh et kan vokesh nichvas bishkneli. They had one of these evangelical Christians. Who believes in the power of prayer? We know there is no God. And the three of them sharpened their knives. I can see the look in her eyes. Oh, Have you ever heard the devil laugh? Have you ever heard the devil laugh? I have. He was laughing that morning. So they put their instruments down. And they pulled them out. They put them down the second time. And they pulled them out. And they were looking rather cross. And they were a bit rough with me. And they put them down the third time. And they pulled them out. And then they looked at me. They said, who did it? Who did it? I said, what do you mean? No, that's not the miracle. That's not the miracle. They said, who did it? I said, what? They said, somebody has made an operation, cut the cancer out, and left the scar where they operated. Tell us the name of the doctor. I said, hallelujah. His name is Jesus. My God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise. When you are committed to and support the gospel, then stand on this promise that when you give to the extension of the kingdom, God will supply all your need. Jesus called it giving and receiving. This year God has given us wonderful opportunities to preach the gospel in Armenia, Georgia and Poland. And we continue to support Ukraine by distributing humanitarian and spiritual aid. For 12 months, our staff have helped the displaced, vulnerable and injured, supplying food and medicines. To make a donation, visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash donation. We would like to give you a free gift. David Hathaway's Prophetic Vision magazine is available free of charge. All you need to do is ask for it. This faith-building resource will show you the path to revival in your life and ministry. To receive this free magazine, visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash magazine. Strength for now and for eternity. 
David will guide you through the Apostle Paul's letters to the Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. David has written this book to strengthen your faith at a time when everything around us is being shaken. Join David as he delves deep into the truths of the Bible. Order David's book, A Firm Foundation, by visiting our website, eurovision.org.uk forward slash shop.